0: In Luke chapter 2, we'll be looking at one verse, verse 14, and I'll recite it in a moment, but you know the story. At first it was a single solitary angel who appeared to shepherds at night, shepherds who were tending their sheep. And it's surprising for many reasons, and one of which is that they make an announcement to a group of men who don't know Joseph and Mary. Imagine I get a phone call from the hospital. Says, "Hey, Jose Rivera was just born, seven and a half pounds, twenty-one inches, healthy. Great! (laughs) Congratulations! Who's Jose Rivera?" I mean, you think about this. It's kind of unusual. Well, it's not exactly like that because that angel did say, "Oh, this baby that was born is—he is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord." And then all of a sudden, joining that single angel, there's a multitude of the heavenly hosts. And let me just dispel from your mind, when you think of heavenly host that this was a praise team, robed, you know, and there are curly, chubby-headed, you know, uh, curly-headed, chubby little creatures kind of floating around, okay? I don't think it's that at all. Why? Because the term host, all right, if you look in the Old Testament, it's often used as a description of God, the Lord of hosts, the Lord who leads an army, an angelic army. And it's used of God when he's going to go into the battle. And so here, I think we're, Luke wants us to understand that what appears to these shepherds are these angelic warriors that instill fear. That's why the angel said, Fear not. <laughs> You know, to see a chubby curly headed, you know, cherub doesn't probably instill a lot of fear in most people. And then in the presence of these shepherds, these this angelic host, and we don't know if they're sing, if they sing what they say, okay? Verse fourteen. We always say they sang this 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 song. We don't know if they actually sang it. I mean, the, the, the word itself it just, just is the word for say, for declare. So there could have been that they sang it. There could have been that they shouted it. What we know is that they declare what in verse 14? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. This is the angelic doxological announcement. And it goes in two directions. It goes upwards to God and it goes downward to men on earth. And from their announcement, this is what I want to meditate on this morning, their announcement tells us that the birth of Jesus means that God gets glory and we get peace. It goes in two directions. So look with me, very simply. The first point, God gets glory. There's no doubt that in Christmas, the birth of Jesus, it benefits us, right? We know that. We'll get to that in a moment. But the primary focus from the perspective of this angelic host as they view the Incarnation, the primary focus is not on us, but rather on God and His glory. So as odd as it may seem to us, because in our world, it's all about what am I going to get? What am I going to get for Christmas? What are they going to give me? And the angels got it right. They turn it around, and Christmas is not primarily about what we get, but what God gets. God gets glory as the Son of God becomes a baby and comes into this earth. Now that's just astounding that God would become a baby. And He gives glory to God. Now, if you've been around Las Tierras for a while, you understand that we've talked about this before. Glory, from a Hebrew perspective, has to do with weight, significance. Uh, it ha- actually, the word has to do with, with heaviness. And so, when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about the characteristics, the traits of God that give Him, that make Him significant, weighty, important, right? And so, sometimes it's, you know, as the angel, the first angel came and announced uh, the birth of the baby. What does Luke tell us? And the glory of the Lord shone all around. So what is it, what is it that was shining? There was the public display of the character of God. That's, it, was, it was radiating so that you could see it. It was palpable. And so one, one author described glory like this. It's the dazzling, radiant, jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring showcase of God's character to a world darkened by sin. See, that's the glory of God. And so when the angels declare glory to God in the highest, they're declaring that in the birth of Jesus, what we are to see, though it's wrapped up in swaddling clothes, you're to see the glory of God. You're to see the, the holiness of God, the truth of God, the justice of God, the, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, all wrapped up in Jesus. And they can't help but praise Him and declare His glory because it's staring at them. Well, it will be in a few moments when they go and see it. So, why do they burst into praise, these angelic creatures? Let's think about it from an angelic perspective. You know, I mean, not many of us know angels, at least not that we're aware of. But I can't help but think of what Peter wrote. The Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter 1.12, he talks about how the prophets of old, they searched the scriptures for the coming of Christ, and how, uh, how they received the good news, the gospel. And, and Peter says something really interesting about this good news of salvation. He says that the angels longed to look into it there's this expression as if for I don't know as long as angels have been around they've been curious what is God going to do with regard to salvation alright things into which angels long to look you see ever since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and how did that happen by instrument of a fallen angel Satan sin comes into the world. And and those elect angels, as are described in scriptures, they must have gasped as they saw this this curtain of darkness envelop this. That God had created, and it was so good, and how the sin had begun to disfigure those who bore the image of God. And then they must have learned somehow that God was going to make things right, that He was going to redeem this world and redeem a people for Himself, of of humanity, though fallen in sin. But did they know? Did they know exactly how God was going to do this? Did they know that the Father would send the Son on a mission? We don't know what they knew. But they longed, and they looked, they peered, they crouched, they were curious. They were longing to see. You see, then the day came, 2,000 years ago, one Jesus was born. That day came when these angelic creatures who during millennia had worshipped the Son, who beheld the Son in His glory and His majesty, and who ceaselessly worshipped Him day and night. He who is the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings, the Creator of the Universe, the Radiance of the Father's Glory, the Infinite Eternal One. They were worshipping Him, but they saw in that moment, that day, a moment in time in history, how the Son, released His grasp. As Paul tells us in Philippians 2, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. They watched as the Son lowered Himself and made Himself nothing, taking the form of a servant being born to a teenage girl in an obscure village and being made, as Hebrews 2 9 says, being for a little while lower than the angels. Now you understand why the angels let out this glorious gasp and praise God, saying, Glory to God in the highest. Because the highest Son of God, look how low he has come to save. A wicked, undeserving people. That's astounding. Because in him, in him, the glory of our salvation is enveloped, is in flesh. And so when you think about Christmas from the angelic perspective, it has to do with God getting glory and revealing his glory. Jesus to save inglorious creatures like you and me. The second part of the announcement has to do with what we get, what men and women, boys and girls get. And so, God through Jesus brings peace to those with whom he is pleased. And you see a lot of Christmas cards, and you know I have this thing about Christmas cards if you were here several weeks ago. Um, and if you saw on Facebook, I, I gave you my, my Christmas card greeting, right? Uh, look on Facebook and you'll see. Uh, but instinctively, when we, we see on Christmas cards, peace on earth, right? And that's what everybody wants. So, you, so all these celebrities are interviewed, what do you want for Christmas? I want peace on earth. Well, good luck, you know? Uh, and, and we all desire, is it not? We desire uh, for terrorism to come to an end, for the fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, and the violence, for all of that to cease. That is our desire, because instinctively we know that this is not how the world should be. This is not how we ought to be treating one another. We, instinctively we know that whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. And the day will come when there will be peace on earth. And there will be no more wars and no more fighting and no, with neighbors or with spouses or with siblings. That day will come. But you understand that when Jesus came, He was born and He began His public ministry. He unleashed a restorative, redemptive power in the world to make things right. It's called the Kingdom of God. Remember how he began his public ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so, the king is restoring his world and restoring his people. But it's going to happen in the future. It's going to happen eventually. And it's, we're going to see its culmination when Jesus comes again. When Jesus comes again, there's going to be peace on a renewed earth. But until then, until then, there has to be a prior work in you and in me. There has to be peace with God and the peace of God before we see peace on earth, on the renewed earth. Peace with God. I think we know what that is. Let me ask it. Ask you this question. Why do you fight with people? Why do you have conflicts with people? And I know you want to say it's because I'm always right and they're wrong. Yeah, I know. And you're always humble. Why do you have fights with your siblings? Why do you fight with your parents, with your spouses, with your friends, with your co-workers? Why, do one, why is it that one nation fights against another nation? I mean, there are lots of reasons for it, but fundamentally, if I can get down all the way down the very bottom of it, the fundamental reason that we have any fights with anybody, anytime, is because there's a fight that we're born with. We we're born to fight against God. You didn't know that. You thought you were just a loving person with God, but No. You were born with this tendency to fight and resist and rebel and disobey God. And that has produced all this other fighting that we have with other people. See, things are not right between us and God. And you know what's fascinating as you read the scriptures? You know God's response to our fighting against Him? There are two things that He doesn't do. One, He doesn't come to you and say, Stop it. Be good. Stop being naughty. Be nice. You know why he doesn't do that? Because you can't. (laughs) You can't stop it. No, not all the time. And the other thing he doesn't do, he doesn't say, you know what, I'm just going to squash all these people who are fighting against me, resisting, and disobeying me. I'm just going to give them their just punishment. He could have done that, right? But he doesn't. See, in Christmas, what we see is that God's response to the sinfulness of humanity is that He comes in mercy and in grace. He comes and becomes like us to make us right with Him. To make a people that He has called and chosen right with Him again because we are His people created in His image and He's going to come and restore because He's not going to find delight in seeing us all go to hell. And He's going to restore His world because it's His world. And He's going to renew it and recoup it for His glory. And so, He comes in the person of Jesus who takes on flesh and blood like ours, lives a perfect life, lives 30-some years of His life and He ends up, He ends up, after 30-some years, being nailed to a cross, suffering is horrific, cruel, hostile, violent death. Why? Well, you know why. Because that was the only way that we could be made people to have peace with God. What happened at the cross? There are a lot of different ways of looking at the cross and what goes on. One thing that goes on at the cross... That's where Jesus suffered the just wrath and punishment that you and I deserved. He suffered it in our place as He took upon Himself our sin. But there's something else that happened at the cross. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, if you were here a couple weeks ago, I spoke from Genesis 3. And we looked at the prophecy in Genesis 3 of how the seed of the woman right, namely Jesus, would bruise or crush the serpent's head, right? It would be a a fatal mortal blow. But but the serpent, and the seat of the, the serpent, would what? Would bruise or crush the seat of the woman's heel, right? And so at the cross, what we see is that Satan thinks he's having his way, right? And fosters all this injustice and this violence against Jesus all right? and so it moves in Judas, moves in religious leaders, so they falsely accuse Jesus and they ridicule him they mock him, they torture him and Satan thinks finally at the cross I have victory over God's son that's also going on at the cross but there's something else something else. So, in light of what we talked about several weeks ago, the seed of the woman Jesus crushing the head of the serpent, Satan, that also happens at the cross. That's where I told you a couple weeks ago, where let's change our Christmas cards, and let's have a Christmas card that says, not happy holidays, but Mary, enmity, and blessed bruising. One of you took me up on that. Did you know that? One of you took me up on that, and I appreciate that. You know what it was? It was Relly. Relly Hutchinson, who sits up here. She's a four-year-old. And she was listening that Sunday morning. Those kids are always listening. They astound me. And uh, and I know this because her mom, Erin, messaged uh, Kim... And said, and they're off in, I think in St. Louis area and she said, Relly was in the grocery store with me. She was singing at the top of her lungs. She was singing a rendition of Mary, uh, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And she was singing this, We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Bruised Head. <laughs> she got it. Do you see what happened? This one who was born, who took on flesh and blood like ours, he went to the cross to remove the sin that the serpent had inserted into the world, all Right. He came, he removed that sin by shedding his own blood. He removed by the power of his blood the power of sin that so, was so attractive to us. He vanquished it, it by what? By crushing the serpent, the one through whom sin came into the world. He crushed his head. He removed the enmity so that we could stop fighting against God. There is no other way for you and I to stop rebelling and fighting against God and disobeying God, but by Jesus. He has brought peace with God. I am so glad. I am so glad that God did not call me to do things to make peace with Him because I can't. He has Purchase that peace by His death at the cross. Some translations, and we even sang it here. You know, the old King James translates verse 14, the second part. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. That's not the best translation. Because it gives the idea that, all all men are going to get this peace. That's really not the case. A better translation is what we see in the English Standard Version on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You see, and you ask yourself the question, well, is God pleased with me? Is He pleased with me? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Because if you believe in Jesus and you're trusting in Jesus, then you know God is pleased with you. Then you know you're going to be at peace with God. You see, that's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 5 says, therefore, being justified Being made right with God, declared not guilty, in right relationship with God, by faith, by believing. Believing whom? Ah, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, this Christmas morning, I ask you, do you have peace with God? And if you do, join the angels and declare God's glory. Because He has purchased this for you and He has worked it into your soul. But if not, I urge you, I urge you in the name of Jesus, stop fighting. I can tell you, stop. <laughs> why, why will you continue to fight against God? Why will you resist Him? Why are you worried about What good have you gotten by that? No believe in Him and in Him, in Christ, you will be made right with God because He forgives the sin. He removes the barrier. He removes that which separates you from God. He washes the guilt and shame away. He releases you from the power of the evil one so that you might be at peace with God. And then, the other thing we get is the peace of God. See, to the extent that you trust Jesus Christ... To that extent, you get the peace of God. Here's what happens. People want the peace of God. I want to feel peaceful. I don't want to be in turmoil. I don't want to be in anguish. I hate having that pit in my stomach feeling. Lord, take it away. They want that, but they don't want to be at peace with God. And you can't have one without the other. It's those who are at peace with God that come to know the peace of God. And Paul gives it to us very succinctly and wonderfully in Philippians 4 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what he's talking about. And don't you want this? Look at the trouble in your life, look at the trouble in our souls let alone what goes on in the world. Don't you want someone who has the power to produce real peace in our troubled souls? This is what God offers in Jesus. He is our peace. And Jesus Himself would say in John 14, I leave you peace, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And you know when He says this? He says, don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. He says it the night before He's crucified. Look, if I'm going to be crucified the next day, the last thing is I'm going to have His peace. And yet He can say it. He can say it. There can be real experience of peace even in the midst of trials and suffering and hardship. Why? Because He is with us. Emmanuel. God with us God in control God is making things right God is undoing the curse that's where our peace comes from and as we connect with Him by faith and in prayer we come to experience that peace some of you have experienced it have you not? there have been moments circumstances of your life is so hard and then something extraordinary happens I said, I don't know why, I, I should be grieving, I, sh- I should be mourning, but I'm at peace. Where does that come from? The, we've been studying Acts, and remember Stephen, Acts 7? Stephen is being stoned to death, and, and even though his enemies are around him, and they're spewing out hatred against him, he doesn't hate them back, but he seems to be at peace even as he's dying and he's suffering why? what does he see? he looks up in heaven and he sees the heavens opened up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God see he's at peace because his eyes are not so much on the circumstance but on Jesus did the pain go away? no but he's at peace I think of the prior family who this summer some of you know them Their daughter was in a horrific car accident, right? And everybody thought, the doctors thought, they thought that she was going to die. Living with that kind of turmoil and uncertainty and grief, do you think they didn't feel the pain? Oh, surely they felt the pain. But in the midst of the pain, there was the peace of God. You see, the peace of God doesn't act like an Anesthetic in your life and remove the pain, the peace of God comes right along and triumphs in the midst of the pain. And only God can do that. And only this God who becomes a baby, who becomes a man, and who goes to the cross so that He would experience violence and conflict and fighting so that we might be at peace with God and have the peace of God. And so Christmas is the time to remember all of us who struggle with anxiety. All of us who worry, we worry because, oh man, I've sinned again. I don't know if I ever will overcome this sin. It's the same sin I've been struggling with all my life. We worry about tomorrow. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our children. Will I I have good health? Will I age gracefully? Or will I be cranky when I get old? I mean, we worry about all kinds of things. And Christmas is the time in which God comes to us. He says, I am with you. You don't have to worry. Rest in me. Trust me. I give you my peace. Here it is. It's very tangible, you can see Him, you can hear Him and He's coming again for us who trust Him. If you're in a storm, just like the disciples who are on a boat on the Sea of Galilee in the storm, what do they think? We're going to die, we're going to die. And you need to hear Jesus' words just like He spoke to the disciples. Jesus' words to you, peace be still. Peace be still. It's astounding to me that these angels would make this announcement. Why? They don't need peace. Do the angels need peace? No. They don't need to be made to be at peace with God. They're not out of sorts with God, they're not fighting against God. Not these angels. They've not rebelled against God. They don't need a Savior. They don't need a Redeemer. They don't grieve over the loss of a loved one. They've never lost a loved one. They've never had cancer. They've never gotten sick. They're not anxious about the future. And yet, they glorify God who's bringing this peace. Why? Because this God that they've worshipped for millennia has humbled Himself to give grace and peace and life to undeserving sinners like you and me. This is our gift. This is the gift that He gives us to those who would receive it. Will you receive that gift this morning? I want you to do two things today. I want you to give throughout the day glory to God. I don't know how you want to do that, but give glory to God. And then receive peace. Let's pray. Lord, that's our prayer and our desire this day. And that you would work that in us. And particularly those who have been rebelling and fighting and resisting you. Would you bring peace, the peace of being made right with you. So that they might know the peace of God. That you are for them and not against them.